This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, and 88.9 in Rockford, and that also covers Marengo, Harvard, and Beloit. And so we're covering much of central and also northern Illinois and growing, thanks to you. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember always that we are brought to you by you, and we couldn't have this show or Catholic Spirit Radio or EWTN without you. So any donations that you can make are always appreciated, large or small. And if you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. It will tell you more about us, and it will also tell you how to make a donation. And it's a good uh, site website to go to. Uh, if you would like to call us, our number is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. You can give us a call at that number. And uh, it is still uh, a mad, 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 mad world out there. And uh, it, it, uh, if you've been listening to the news, it seems there is a war breaking out between Israel and Hamas. And so things are uh, getting even more mad than they were before, I guess. I, as I said, I'm here with my wife, Lynn. And uh, before we start... Uh, I want to mention we are going to talk a little bit more about the Synod. There's some more information. Uh, there was a good uh, show on the Synod on World Over Live October 5th, and uh, maybe some of you have seen it. For those of you that don't, I'm going to go over that a little bit because the Synod is very important, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about it today. So before we start, I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, and see what she has to say. Good morning and welcome, especially welcome to all our new listeners that we have out there. Remember that this is October, the month of the Holy Rosary, and make an effort to say it every day. It's what Mary has asked us to do. It has It's very powerful. During this time of war and everything that's going on, we really need to pray and fast. I have to admit the fasting is not something that comes naturally to me, but there is a, a feeling I've had this past week, and I go back to what was said in Maccabees, Maccabees 1, chapter 2, and verse 8, and it said, Alas, why was I born to see this, the ruin of my people? the root of my holy city, and to dwell there when it was given over to the enemy, the sanctuary given over to aliens. Her temple has become like a man without honor. Same thing is happening now, not just related to Israel, but take the, the church, our church as a whole. Things are being changed before our own eyes and for many of us, this is just 
like having aliens take it over. I mean, and these are our own leaders that are destroying our church, I feel. I mean, I'm just old enough to have gone through this once before, and I really don't want to be here to go through it again. They're lobbing uh, missiles in Russia and Iran. They're testing all kinds of uh, nuclear missiles and things in uh, China, North Korea. They're lobbing missiles into Israel now. This is insane. This truly is. We are truly living in a mad, mad world. So, get your rosaries out. Keep it in your pocket. Okay, Bumba? Well, the rosary is an extremely good weapon against the... Evil. The, the evil against the spirit of the devil, and uh, it's something that uh, the church has used for a long, long time to very great effect, and I would have to agree with you on that. And, of course, uh, you know, we hope that uh, the, the, the church uh, isn't being destroyed because uh, Christ promised that it would not be, but uh, there are things to worry about, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Uh, that's why we're going to have more on the Synod on Citadality. And uh, I want to clear up a few things that I mentioned last week before we start. Uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit and the idea of a inclusive consensus. And I was saying, you know, there was a limitation on the Holy Spirit. People might wonder, what do I mean? Like, the fact is, is that what couldn't the Holy Spirit accomplish? Well, I meant that even the Holy Spirit cannot draw a square circle, at least not in this world anyway. And uh, there are people being brought together, especially maybe some of the lay people, uh, that are carrying uh, ideas and desires that are contradictory to the you know, Catholic dogma and Catholic doctrine. And there isn't any way that they can be reconciled. And even the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, can't uh, reconcile those things. And as we'll see as we go along, I'm going to talk about uh, The World Over Live, the October 5th show of The World Over Live uh, with uh, Raymond Royal and Robert Royal, and uh, also some uh, guest cardinals and so forth that were on the show. And they pointed, that also, uh, pointed it out also that the Holy Spirit doesn't change when it comes to uh, doctrine. And uh, God, of course, doesn't change either. And so some things are simply not uh, reconcilable, and that's what I meant when I said there's a limitation on the Holy Spirit, I certainly didn't mean that there's, you know, it's some kind of a limitation on the things that God can do to resolve things. But uh, there is a limitation on what can be uh, held at the same time, and there are contradictory things that can't be held at the same time, at least certainly not in this world that doesn't operate that way. Uh, I also want to mention that there are, some people who call themselves progressives, I don't know that, you know, these people speak for most progressives, but they speak for some. And uh, I've heard uh, over on EWTN uh, some of these people that uh, have been recorded. And uh, I heard one female voice in particular that was threatening, and, and I'll use that word threatening, in other words, saying that this synod had better not kick the women priest idea or the women clergy idea 
down the road anymore. In other words, that uh, this Senate should solve the idea of women having a, a clerical role in the church. And, of course, that's simply not possible according to Catholic dogma. And uh, so I wonder if these people understand that. Uh, and if they do, then it doesn't seem like some of these people care about our 2,000-year-old history of the church and the dogma of the church and why that can't be. And uh, if these people really seriously want uh, to, be, to participate as a cleric in the church— uh, or in a church, they could go next door or down the block to uh, the Protestant church, which, which many of them are having enough trouble of their own over these issues. Uh, but what they want is to change Catholicism to suit them. And so this whole thing is about power and prestige. It's not about what's good for the church and what's good for most of the people in it. It's more about what they want and uh, why they want that power and prestige and the whole idea of being a priest or a cleric is not anything about power and prestige. It is simply uh, the, the whole idea is to serve and uh, to be a servant, not to hold power and prestige. And I was just thinking to myself, these same people often champion men beating women in sports, you know, men who call themselves women, beating women in sports just to infirm the idea of uh, transgender and just to be against the norms of society and to destroy a norm. And uh, the fact is, is that they can't win in this. If they got their way, then the Catholic Church would no longer be the Catholic Church. It would simply be another Protestant denomination deviating from the tradition that was handed to it by Jesus Christ. And that's what the people have to understand is that the church was not given some kind of democratic freedom. It was given a body of uh, uh, teaching, and that is the deposit of faith. It was given to the church by Jesus Christ, and he ordered them to go out and teach all nations everything that I have commanded you. And that means handing on what they received. Paul talks about that. I've handed on to you, he says to Timothy, what I have received from others. And that's the job of the apostles, and that's the job of the descendants of the apostles, and that's the job of our clergy today is to hand on intact the teaching that they received. They were not given authority to change that teaching or invent new teaching, and that's what I was trying to get at and was what I meant. Is there anything you want to say on that, Lynn? No. Okay. Uh, and, and, and this creates a lot of uh, doubt, uh, this kind of thing, and uh, it creates a lot of confusion. And we have to remember the church is a rock for many people. And to suggest these kinds of things is to create among a lot of very faithful Catholics and a lot of anxiety and concern and fear about the fate of the church. And uh, in this modern mad world, the church in this valley of tears and sea of troubles is the one rock that people hang on to. And a lot of people are asking, you know, if these kinds of things ever come about, is that rock going to be taken away from them? And there has to be a concern for these people. Yes, and when we had our CIA 
how many of the converts coming into the church made the remark, chose the Catholic Church because there is no, their dogma doesn't change. Sick and tired of, in the church I came from, the, uh, they're changing everything. And I want the security of what something that's not going to change. And here we are. And that's uh, exactly right. And, and the thing is, is that uh, sometimes that that the desire for security can be a problem in this sense that people who come into the church will sometimes be so concerned about any change that they will try if there are prelates or if the Pope himself is unclear, they will try to explain it away because they don't want to believe that the church that they're in, <laughs> like the one that they came from, can be making any changes. And sometimes they— Becoming you know, like the one they left. Right. In fact, they, you know, they don't want to hear it. They don't want it to become like the one they left, so they will try to re-explain what someone said or the Pope said. The thing is, is that that, again, shows that, if anything at all, this synod needs to emphasize clarity. And more than ever today in this mad, 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 mad world, the church needs to be clear. And uh, it needs to take its its uh, teachings, its dogma, its doctrines, and find a way to apply them to the world in a charitable manner, of course, but nevertheless apply them to a world that more than ever needs reform and needs to be saved. And that's one of the church's you know, jobs. Its main job, of course, is to save souls. But uh, in applying its dogma to the world, that's what it does. And in saving souls, it improves society and makes a better world for people to live in and more security and uh, more happiness. And so those are all results that follow from the church's main mission to save souls. In other words, you know, it's what Christ said. He said, you know, he's not here to take things away from us. He's here to give us life and give us life more abundantly. And that's the job of the church, to take what he's given it and to apply it in such a way that it gives us life more abundantly. And it has to try and do that in the most charitable way. But it needs to be clear and it needs to stick to its dogmas and its uh, doctrines. They're good dogmas and doctrines. The world needs them. And uh, they haven't been changed for 2,000 years, and they can't be changed. So those are uh, some comments that I'm making from, you know, what maybe I left hanging last week that needed to be explained. Anything more that you want to say along that line, Lynn? Uh, I've heard many people trying to say this week and saying this week, don't give up. Don't leave the church in the hour of its need because— the church has gone through a lot in the last 2,000 years. A lot of horrific things have happened. I mean, there was even a time when there were two popes, so-called popes. One claimed to be pope, but he wasn't. And the other one left and went to France. So, you know, they have a point there. But my point is that doesn't ease my anxiety at all about what's happening. I want the Catholic Church to be the Catholic Church. I want Christ wanted the church to be an instrument to save souls, to bring souls to him. 
I, I, I'm frustrated and scared of what's happening. Well, I can understand that. And there are other people that are, and uh, their minds that need to be put at ease. Uh, when I come, we come we're going to have to take a break in a little bit, so I'm, I'm not going to get into this until after the break. But I was listening to the Jesse and Terry show here last week, and uh, they were talking about what to do in the case of, uh, you know, any kind of dogmatic or doctrinal change in the church. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, I will certainly back up what you said, Lynn. Uh, the the thing is, even if there were, if there are errors and so forth in the church, and that does happen. We've it, it's happened in the past. We, you know, with the Arian heresy and so forth, uh, that lasted for three hundred years uh, was a, a a big argument in the church. And the thing is, is to stay with the church and to pray and to work in order to restore uh, anything that uh, any error or whatever that does creep in and has been changed. And so the best thing to do is to stay with the church. And uh, there's a difference there between what Lynn and I are saying and what was on the Jesse and Terry show. I like the Jesse and Terry show, but uh, I will talk about what they said. And I think uh, there's an alternative to that. So stay with us. Uh, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. We're the hosts of More to Life. For us, Catholic Radio is something that draws us together into conversations that can be at times difficult, but when directed by charity, become positively impactful. That's why we're so glad you're participating in your own way, by listening right now. Let everyone else know about this jewel you have found. Please invite others into this work that the Holy Spirit is already doing. Invite them to listen. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. We're back from our break. We're talking more about the synodal process and the synod itself and uh, talking about people's concerns over it and uh, why the church more than ever in a modern world with all that's going on and the madness, it seems, uh, that's been our theme about the this year, the mad, 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 mad world. And uh, the church... Uh, needs to project clarity more than ever. But at any rate, uh, last week I was listening to the Jesse and Terry show on EW, or on, you know, uh, Catholic Spirit Radio, EWTN, and they seem to stress that uh, if uh, the church or the 
Pope somehow should defect on an issue or from or, you know, depart from uh, uh, doctrine and depart from Scripture, that you know, we could take Christ alone as our Savior. This idea was that you know, we could turn to Christ and uh, take Christ as our Savior, and uh, this is one way we can retain and stay with the fundamentals and the doctrine and dogmas of the church and uh, ignore uh, anything that uh, would be heresy or would be uh, something that's unclear about doctrine itself. And the thing to me is is that uh, I can understand people trying looking for some solid rock like Jesus, you know, to be uh, you to, to be you know a safety a, a place of safety in a world that's sort of gone mad especially if the church's doctrine is violated or not clear. But it seems to me that this is pure fundamental Protestantism. That is, this is this idea of me and Jesus, you know, that uh, I don't really need the church. I don't really need the doctrines or the dogmas. And uh, then you, we would be in effect saying that uh, the people that criticize the Catholic church for all of its uh tradition and its dogmas and its doctrine as being wrong somehow, that all we really need is Jesus, it seems like we would be, in effect, saying the same thing as them and, in fact, pronouncing their uh, idea of uh, religion correct. And, of course, that's not what we were taught or the Catholic uh, Church was taught from the time of Christ on. It was taught to follow all of the things he commanded and that information was, you know, our tradition, and it was handed on, and uh, it, it created Scripture. Scripture came from the church. The church didn't come from Scripture, and the church has the authority to understand and uh, interpret Scripture, and uh, it's, it would be a, a leaving and a deviation from that. So I, I think uh, the better idea is what uh, some of the people in the program uh uh, World Over Live, uh, October 5th, said, and that would be stick with the church and stay in there and keep on working and away for change. And sort of like the widow in Scripture who kept that uh, asking, you know, for what she wanted over and over again, and she persisted and persisted until finally she was given what she asked for. And this is the thing I think that uh, uh, they were driving at we should be the same way if there's errors or something creeps into the church. Our job as Catholics is to stay with the church, to speak the truth, to keep on reiterating uh, the tradition that was handed on to us, and uh, have the patience to, over time, get that changed. There will be popes come and go and uh, prelates come and go, and over time those things can be changed and reformed. And uh, that is always going on with the church, and that's actually what we should do. So, also, another thing is is that how do you determine heresy itself? Uh, this isn't something that an individual can just sit there and define and decide that X or Y or Z is heresy. It goes against canon law, and I'm going to go ahead and turn myself, you know, toward Jesus and ignore the church and uh, just take Jesus as my Savior, and I don't need anything else other than that. Well, that's, that's in a pronouncement that, uh, as Catholics, we cannot make on our own. We have to do that in conjunction with authority and in conjunction with the church. And so things that are wrong sometimes take time to correct. So if there is something that goes astray, 
uh, we shouldn't lose faith or hope, and we should stay with the church and do what we can to make the change. Uh, I think the example that uh, the, the people gave at the uh, during the uh, World Over Live program was Athanasius, St. Athanasius, back when they had the Arian heresy going on. And uh, Athanasius opposed it, and he opposed it very strongly. In fact, he received the uh, nickname uh, Athanasius Contramundum, meaning Athanasius against the world. And Athanasius was opposed by a lot of people who, you know, thought he was being disruptive, as <laughs> some some of the people who disagree with uh, some of the things that are going on today are called disruptive. Some of the people who are not progressive. And Athanasius was exiled. He was exiled uh, to France. Three times. Yeah, France was uh, back at that time. And France was a wilderness. He was, ex- it, you know, he was uh, uh, exiled there. And it didn't make any difference. He stayed with the, the issue. And uh, he didn't li- live to see the whole thing change. But because of his efforts and so forth over a long period of time, the argument uh, was uh, kept up, and eventually the Arian heresy was overcome and it was changed, and uh, the, the church went on uh, to resolve it. So what Athanasius did in his patience and his endurance and his persistence worked, and that's what we need to do as Catholics. We need to take an example from him. More you want to say on that, Lynn? Uh, it's going to be a hard process for us, and I think only— by praying, saying the rosary, reading the, the Gospels and Scripture, are we going to able to hold ourselves together? And I think everybody needs to be familiar with the Catechism of the Catholic Church and what it what it teaches. So get yourself one if you don't have one. Don't have to spend a lot of money. The little paperback edition is maybe ten, twelve dollars. Nowadays, that's not too bad. It's probably gone up, but so is everything else. So. And I know we're talking here like this, you know, is it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to cause confusion and, and trouble, but it already is causing it. Uh, and so maybe things will turn out uh, not to be as, as we think they might be, but there are a lot of people in the church as, as I'll point on here before the show is over, who are very, very concerned. Cardinal Mueller is one of them. Uh, Cardinal Burke is another. Uh, uh, Cardinal Zen. Cardinal Zen you know, from China is concerned, especially because of what Francis did uh, in approving uh, the Chinese government to be in, in have some say-so in, in approving bishops and, and so forth. Uh Cardinal Zen felt that, uh, that this was uh, a step against uh, what he had accomplished in the church in China. And so uh, is concerned also that the Senate can bring more confusion. And there's been a lot of confusion in the church. And uh, so this is probably, there probably is going to be arguments and so forth over the, the Senate. I hope it, I hope we're wrong. And I hope that oh, everything I we're saying too. is totally wrong and, uh, we're misreading things, and I hope that uh, it isn't just us here at uh, Catholic Spirit Radio. We're trying to bring you uh, some of the things that uh, people that are 
prominent in the church themselves are saying on the other side of the synod because you need to hear this. And a lot of times, maybe in regular mass and so forth and uh, in our regular churches, we're not hearing a lot of this. And we're not here to cause people a lot of anxiety. But nevertheless, uh, these are things that are important going on in the church. And Catholics certainly should be taking part in them, being aware of them and uh, understanding what's going on. And so that's what we're trying to do. Uh, right. But uh, uh, And like I say, some of it is because we've gone through these Vatican II process and when everything was changed. There are a lot that, of yeah. what You know, it was not stated in the documents, but they changed. Do, they did things that weren't weren't in this uh vet the console exactly didn't. It, things changed and we were left with this to deal with it on our own there was little support exactly and, and i don't think anyone can deny that there are a lot of people who expected you know a more definitive change from vatican ii than actually happened and you know, actually the console itself really didn't change uh, anything, and they might have approached it differently in, in the church. And there are a lot of people who are very unhappy with that, and I don't think anybody can doubt that. Uh, and these people are very vocal in the church, and they would like things such as uh, they would like uh, a change so that there could be uh, women religious, and, you know, rather women have uh, part of the uh, uh, priestly hierarchy in the church, and that's just not possible under uh, the Catholic doctrine and dogma. And there are reasons for that that we can't get into right now. We've gone into them before. And uh, so I'm going to go into here what are some of the synodal problems, and that's what we need to talk about so that people understand what people are concerned about. Uh, I was watching uh, on, on uh, TV, uh, on the news, and uh, Jonathan Morris, who is a laicized priest, he was a priest and he left the priesthood, I mean, and, and became laicized and, and married and he has children and so forth. Um, but he was saying that uh, Pope Francis's idea of uh, blessing some of the aspects and people of same-sex marriage, uh, Francis wasn't saying to bless the same-sex marriage as if it was the same thing as regular marriage, that it was it fit the definition of the church's marriage, but he was asking you know, on an individual basis if pastors could bless certain aspects of same-sex marriage, such as loyalty and so forth, and those kinds of things. And uh, the fact is, is that uh, he, he even said, you know, this is unclear. Uh, we can't bless uh, in behavior that is intrinsically wrong or a union that is intrinsically wrong, or the pretense, at least, that a union did it. Even if the church doesn't recognize the union, the people that are involved in these try to, in effect, put on a pretense that they are the same thing as marriage. And it's very dangerous for the church to start doing things like this because it looks as if uh, it leads to scandal at uh, best, and it leads to change in doctrine at worst. And uh, the, the Pope's job, according to uh, Jonathan Morris, a for, you know, former, I shouldn't say former priest, once a priest, always a priest, but a laicized priest, he was pointing out, and he, and he hangs with a lot of uh, people who are secular, 
but were involved in Catholicism, some of them ex-Catholics and so forth, and understands, you know, both sides where things are coming from. And nevertheless, uh, and he's a you know, very, very tolerant type of person and certainly isn't out to try and make, uh, you know, uh, harsh pronouncements on people. The church has always taught that uh, you disagree with the sin and oppose the sin but love the sinner. But and, at the same right. time, you can't talk right. with a forked tongue. Right. The Pope's job is to make things clear and to make Catholic, Catholic theology clear and uh, apply dogma and tradition to a needy world. And that's, you know, that's the job of the church and the job of the Pope. And uh, so that's one of the problems that uh, right. a lot of this, these things are simply making things confusing and not clear. And that is a huge problem in and of itself if that is only the, the only problem. Even if doctrine isn't changed, if it's made unclear and people can't follow it, then it's a, it's a problem. Right. What do you do? I mean— the Pope has, he, Francis has come right out and said, priests can use their own judgment about blessings. Of what? Well, it can't look like anything like a marriage or could be construed that way. Well, what are you blessing? Yeah, and that's, I, th- there's no answer to that. And that, that's very dangerous. Uh, and I want to get in here before we end this segment. Uh, George Weigel, who is uh, a writer and uh, very, very involved in uh, Catholicism, written about popes and written many, many books. And I think most people have heard of him. My wife and I saw him a number of years ago. He came actually to Epiphany Church here in Normal and uh, gave a talk. And that was a long time ago. He was young and starting out, but he's been with the church as a spokesman and a writer and a critic and so forth, uh, and he's a very conservative conservative. I mean, he pretty much, you know, takes the side of uh, the church and and, uh, and stands with most changes and so forth the church has made. He certainly isn't any radical person in any way whatsoever. And uh, he says here, uh, he talks about the fact that we're putting so much emphasis on this synod that the church is as if it's the most important thing that, you know, ever happened in this uh, century or the last. And uh, he's got an article in the Catholic Register, and it's the October 8th issue of the Catholic Register. And he talks about 11 things he lists that the church has done from about back in around 1965 until now that are just as important, if not more important, than the synod. And I can't get into all of those things. I don't have the time. But his point is is that the synod is not the end-all and be-all of everything. And uh, he, he has uh, some very uh, uh, conservative pronouncements <laughs> to, to pronounce on the synod. And here's what he says. He said, uh, at his first... Christmas address to the Roman Curia, Pope Benedict XVI describes two interpretations of Vatican II that have been contested for the Catholic future since the consul itself. One was false, a hermeneutic of discontinuity and rupture that led to ecclesiastical stagnation and worse. The other the hermeneutic of reform in continuity with the church's settled tradition was true and had energized a vital Catholicism. 
If Synod 2023 is to be a development of the church's authentic tradition rather than another fruitless effort to reinvent Catholicism according to the cultural canons of postmodernity, its discussions, its so-called conversations in the spirit, must take full account of these 11 crucial Catholic moments since Vatican, Vatican II. The 11 things are things he's talking about uh, that he thinks are very important that the church did since Vatican II, all of which were expressions of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the church. So he is saying, in effect, the Holy Spirit has been working in the church for a long, long time. It's done some very, very good things. They all have been in conjunction with tradition. And if this synod is to be fruitful, it needs to follow our ordinary tradition and not keep trying to reinvent Catholicism according to the cultural canons of postmodernity. Uh, you know, with, with the age, of course, he contends that we're living in. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the the Second Coming, the Bible and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're continuing to talk uh, about the synod and synodal process that uh, has started and is going on right now. And uh, we're, we've been talking about naming you know, some of the problems that uh, various prelates and authorities and uh, authors and so forth are talking about that uh, they see that uh, are problems in you know today and also problems that are going on with the synod so that people will understand what the controversy is about and uh, and talk here about uh, 
Jonathan Morris, the laicized priest. I talked about George Weigel, an author and someone who has uh, written a lot about the Catholic Church, is a speaker about the Catholic Church and uh, very interested in the Catholic Church, does a lot of writing for various uh, uh, publications, the, the Catholic uh, Register and uh, other magazines and so forth, uh, all about the church. And what he just said, the fact is, is that uh, if this synod turns into an argument over uh, modernity and over uh, trying to reinvent Catholicism in some kind of a different way, it will be fruitless, and that's a problem. And then uh, on the world Oh, that's not going to happen, Bob, because Francis said he wants no—he wants discussion but no arguments. Well, we pointed that out, and I'm going to point that out uh, as we go along here. That's one of the problems also is that uh, the methodology of the synod. But uh, here's an author here, Edward Penton. He's the author of the book The Next Pope, and uh, he was on, uh, again, on the uh, World Over Live here uh, October 5th. And he mentioned uh, this idea of climate change, which is near and dear to the heart of Pope Francis. But as he points out, he said it's not a theological principle, and uh, it's just an issue. And, of course, the church has always taught that uh, we should take care of uh, our material environment, that uh, Christ created our world, that the world is good and material things are good. They're not evil. And uh, we should always, you know, be uh, concerned and care for them and so forth. But that's not an issue that it really, you know, the, the, the synod should be putting at the top of the list or, or something that, that there's a lot of secular argument over the climate and so forth. And that is not something that the church can settle. And it's not a theological issue. And it's not part of our tradition. It's not you know, saving you know, souls. Right. And the, uh, uh, and he says also, in addition to the fact that issues like that are not should not be you know the foremost the concern of the synod, he says that the methodology of the synod is also problematical. Uh, it's uh, the, the the talk somehow is set up to ignore tradition and to stress dissent. That the synod is set up to talk about the the modern modernist dissent from tradition. And at the same time, somehow or another, to uh, leave out talk about supporting tradition. That the talk about supporting tradition is uh, considered disruptive or considered argumentative. And that the method itself, the approach to talk about dissent rather than to talk about what the church agrees upon, uh, is uh, dividing the synod into a situation where people who disagree with dissent uh, are, are going to be stifled. And so the, the methodology itself can lead to a change in tradition. And then uh, Raymond Arroyo, uh, he says that uh, from his point of view, uh, and Raymond Arroyo is, he hosts uh, the world over live, and he says from his point of view, orthodoxy and traditionalism is not welcome. And uh, the method is a manipulative method to stifle dissent from progressivism. And uh, ideology or argument uh, along those lines will somehow ruin the procedure, but that makes it almost impossible to disagree if there's a movement that is going down the line of dissent. Uh, people who disagree with that are somehow considered 
being disruptive or are considered uh, not being uh, uh, a consensus uh, or considered not being inclusive. And uh, all of those things are problematic and have caused a lot of trouble in the Protestant church, and they can cause trouble here too. So that's Royals' take on it. And then, you know, what were you saying, Lynn, before I got into this? I thought you mentioned another something maybe I missed. Okay, we'll go on. Uh, Cardinal Burke, uh, he was there involved. uh, They had him on the show on the uh, World Over Live. And uh, he says that uh, the dubia questions are considered by a lot of progressives in the church somehow or another being disruptive or being asked in order to uh, put things in the way of the senator and the way of Francis. And uh, Cardinal Burke disagrees with that. He says the dubia questions are to help clarify doctrine. People are being led astray and confused, and the questions are being uh, uh, asked in order to help uh, the Pope clarify doctrine and make it clear they're not being asked in any way to disrupt things. And so if people, you know, if any listeners out there don't understand what dubia, dubia just means, you know, asking a a question. You know, dubia is is to ask uh, for clarification on various issues. And some of these questions were to ask for clarification on the blessing of uh, same-sex marriages, to ask for clarification on whether or not women can uh, be under Catholic doctrine a part of the clergy, and uh, so on along those lines. And those questions were being asked because they're necessary to be answered clearly so that people won't be confused. There may be people who disagree, but that's all right. The fact is, is they still, uh, it needs to be made clear to everybody. That's right. When you have this clearness, you get this fear, you get this uh, anger, and so forth, and it can cause a real schism in the church also. Because yeah, no. we're, we're operating under, we don't know what, what is the truth. And uh, Robert Royal, one of the uh, people on with uh, Raymond Arroyo on The World Over, Robert Royal usually is a part of the show, The World Over Live, and uh, he pointed out that the church advances by asking and answering questions. And to discourage questions is to create confusion. And uh, it's to stop the, the growth of the church. The church grows and understands its doctrine better and uh, advances and finds new ways of applying doctrine by asking and answering questions. And if there are questions, they should be uh, asked and, and answered on both sides, not just one side. And questions uh, concerning dissent from tradition should be answered as well as uh, talking about uh, people who are concerned about descending from tradition. And then uh, also Cardinal Burke, he says that uh, pastors blessing aspects of same-sex marriage on an individual basis, uh, he says individuals cannot uh, develop their own dogmas or their own doctrines. I mean, priests can't just come out and decide uh that they can apply some kind of made-up doctrine to a, a situation. There has to be a solid answer by the church as what can and cannot be done. This can't really be left up to individuals. 
And he says, uh, and, and we can't, as a church, bless intrinsically sinful acts. Again, uh, this isn't to condemn people. I mean, we condemn sin, and we love the sinner. And the church has always taught that. And uh, it can't change its doctrine because in situations, uh, sometimes people can be in, you know, a, 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 tough, a tough line. They can have these ires and so forth that are hard to control. And uh, the church understands that. But nevertheless, it has to call them to conversion, and it has to apply its doctrine across the board for everybody. It does it as charitably as possible, but it has to do it. We, and he went on, I think Burke was one of the ones to say that we do have to judge and make judgments. And when he meant we, he meant, you know, the bishops of the church. Right. That brings us back to the, per, the word synod what, and what that means. The synod is supposed to be the college of cardinals and in conjunction with the bishops and mainly the bishops what it should be, a meeting of the bishops, to discuss all these, uh, all the theories and the dogma and so forth, and to uphold what the church has taught. Well, you don't have a synod if you've got lay people in there voting. It's just, some things can't be changed, and some, I guess some people just can't face that, that you can't change everything. The church is not founded for a period of time. And in this period of time before, uh, before, say, Vatican II, we thought one way. And after that, after Vatican II, we think another way. And now after this synod, we've, we've got, for our time, we're going to think a different way. That's not the Catholic Church. And that's what the cardinals have said that are dissenting. There are five of them. And these men are very, very knowledgeable. And it's even come up as to whether Francis is a valid pope because of the things he's doing. I don't know about that. I don't believe in uh, the vacancy of Peter right now. I don't think that's true or is, but they're questioning they're not saying he is not the Pope. They're questioning, what is his job? Is he doing it? Well, that's another thing that was brought up. Another problem is schism and, uh, you know, the, the idea of uh, a rift between progressives and traditionals and over doctrine. And the thing is, is that the church has always tried to avoid this. And one of the things that avoids schism is being clear. And so when things are not clear, uh, you can get people on both sides that think that their, that their interpretation is correct and the other person's interpretation is incorrect. And this is what the, we need, you know, the Pope for is, at, and, and with the help of his cardinals, I mean, the, you know, the Pope can't do everything, no. but we need to make the, his cardinals are there to try and make our church doctrine as clear as possible in its application to modern problems. And uh, that's what we need because it can cause schism if you don't do this. And so uh, the world needs Catholic clarity and Catholics themselves need Catholic clarity. And so that's, that's, again, that keeps coming up over and over 
all through the World Over Live. It's come up with uh, other people outside that forum uh, that I've read. Uh, I mentioned a couple. And uh, anytime, and, and, and I, I've heard it uh, called in, you know, in various uh, shows and so forth uh, on EWTN by people who are confused. And when you have that, you need to address it and make clarity because confusion can be worse. <laughs> it, you might be confused over something that's not a problem if it's made clear. How many souls are going to be lost because they're confused? Exactly. And uh, so, uh, again, uh, we stay with the church. When people ask, what should we do? We stay with the church. People that stay with the church win. In other words, those people who leave the church have no say-so in the church. So the whole idea is if you disagree with uh, something in, in the church and you are certain that you know it needs to be changed and so forth, you don't leave the church, you stay with it. And uh, if the thing is really wrong, you work for its correction. And that's, that's I think, uh, the advice of uh, Bishop Mueller and also the advice of Bishop Burke, and I'm sure the advice of the others on that uh, show on uh, uh, World Over Live. But I want to read something before we, uh, I wanted to read this last week and didn't have a chance. I'm going to read from an article here by a James Kalb, and uh, James Kalb uh, is a lawyer and an independent scholar and a Catholic convert who lives in Brooklyn, New York, He's the author of the books The Tyranny of Liberalism and Against Inclusiveness. And uh, he has uh, an article in the September issue of Chronicles Magazine. And uh, it's uh, an article on the state of the Catholic Church. And I just want to read from one uh, part of that article. And he gives a summary of his uh, idea of the Synod, but mostly just his idea of how uh, uh, Pope Francis operates, and people may agree or disagree with it, but I I think it's a pretty accurate summary, and uh, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says here, John Paul II and Benedict accepted the Vatican II thesis of reconciliation with the modern world, but they maintained critical distance, and with it, at least at the papal level, the integrity of Catholic doctrine and practical teaching. Francis, to all appearances, has abandoned the effort and thrown in his lot with the secular powers that seem most likely to dominate the future. That is the significance of his campaign to drop family and abortion in favor of inclusion and the environment as signature Catholic issues. And there's that environment again. Capitulation to those whom Catholics have come to view as their betters. Francis is a puzzling man. He seems to like to unsettle things to see where they will go, a tendency that likely reflects his personal willfulness and impatience of restraint, as well as philosophical attraction to the idea of historical development. However that may be, his actions, including his appointments, his informal or ambiguous statements, and his failure to respond to obvious problems, often point away from settled doctrine. That applies to moral issues, but also to others, including questions such as the status of other religion, other religions that bear on the very nature of the church. He speaks of going to the margins and is attached to aspects of folk and popular religion. At the same time, he is inclined to align with power, 
and looks for ways to join with those who dominate the emerging world order. He is fond of staging synods, meetings of bishops that now include lower clergy and laity as well, that are evidently intended to present his goals as the demand of the whole church, and indeed, it is claimed, of the Holy Spirit. These appeal rhetorically to the need to listen and to reach out to the excluded and marginalized, but speak in bureaucratic ambiguities and manipulate procedures and membership to promote the result that he desires. So, I mean, that may seem pretty harsh, but it does seem to be uh, what a lot of the questions in this synod uh, by people who are worried about this synod, you know, uh, sort of gather around. And so I think it's a pretty accurate description of what's going on. At any rate, I think it's stacked. I mean, everybody that's been invited, almost everybody, the majority, they believe they are in conjunction with the Pope. We're going to have to stop here and uh, say our prayers. So at any rate, uh, we've given what we think are a lot of the problems concerning the Synod. And I hope it's been helpful for people out there. People may disagree, but nevertheless, it's a side that we have to hear. So St. Michael the Archangel, defend defend us us in battle. battle. Be Be our our protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And and do thou, thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust thrust into hell Satan and all all evil spirits who wander through the world for the room of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.